and welcome back to this episode of Sake on Air, the podcast dedicated to expanding the dialogue surrounding Japan's iconic beverages of sake and shochu. My name is Justin Potts, one of your regular hosts here on this program, and we're getting back to basics this week in the world of shochu with one of our most popular shows from our back catalog, Shochu 101. Released way back in December of 2018, Mr. Shochu himself, Christopher Pellegrini, walks us through the fundamentals that should help anyone new to the category better understand and enjoy Japan's incredible indigenous spirit. As to why we selected this particular episode to dig out of the archives, we've kinda got a feeling that Shochu's time just might be close at hand. This past year has felt like a significant shift for Shochu with California following up New York and amending laws related to the labeling and sales of Japanese shochu, bartenders and mixologists further gravitating toward the exceptional koji-powered spirit, and maybe more than anything, producers in Japan really getting on board with a new shift in mindset surrounding the communication and marketing of their product, which is resulting in the types of industry connections and events and communication that shochu, and honestly sake, have long missed out on until now. So this week, sit back, make yourself a shochu cocktail of sorts, or maybe just a glass of oyuari, and time travel with us a bit to the past of sake on air together with the crew for a little bit of shochu. We got more sake and shochu-inspired goodness headed your way again in just a couple weeks, but for the time being, come by. The people of sake actually brought me into sake. Back in 1988, this place was actually in Ginza on the main drag. At first it was kind of soy sauce, it was miso. To the point where it actually changed my life. New Year's Day 1989. Uh, not just sake as a beverage, but all the culture and history. And... Hello everybody out there. This is Sake On Air, brought to you by the Japan Sake and Shochu Makers Association here just a few short steps away from Toranomon Station in downtown Tokyo. Big thank you to the JSS for continuing to put us up as we explore the ins and outs, the ups and downs, the good, the bad of Japan's indigenous drinks. Today, uh, I am here with Christopher Hughes. Hello. And Justin Potts. Hello out there. Who has been urging me for the last five minutes or so to start this show off on my in my own way and on my own note. I am Christopher Pellegrini and today we are going to be basically doing a entry level rundown of shochu and awamori, Japan's two indigenous spirits. But of course, I probably need to have somebody else fill in some of the gaps that I have left gaping open. So with that, I'm going to shift over to Justin here. Justin, what what did I miss? All right. What did you miss? <laughs> what did you miss in terms of the in intro life no <laughs> no we're good you had it spot on i guess the only other the only other thing we're missing is that we're broadcasting as always from the japan sake and shochu information center oh that's right, right? okay yeah. yes because it's yeah that's yeah. this lovely this lovely establishment that takes such good care of us so we're trying to take good care of them so yeah aside from that we're we're spot on that was beautiful so yeah we're going to do shochu this week uh much deserved is this Agreed. needs some some proper time yeah. and you know we're gonna here, here's the reality of the situation though this is actually the second time we're doing this yes. <laughs> this is true yes yes this is this is the realities of of technology right. and recording <laughs> and human error and yeah 
mixing beverages and all those other things. Sometimes yeah. data doesn't end up in, the, in right. the state that we would like for it to uh, preserve itself. Yeah. And so occasionally we have to... It's like a shochu-fueled groundhog day, isn't it? Basically? <laughs> that's, that's basically what it is. We are drinking a different shochu this time. We are, gonna, we're drinking a uh, Iki barley shochu, Very nice which is uh, it's the very well-known super gold right. made by Genkai Shuzo, um, barrel-aged, only 22% alcohol. It's kind of like a diet whiskey in a way. Mm. <laughs> a diet yeah. whiskey. It's a, it's a very low-fi... Yeah, uh, bourbon almost, but nice. You mentioned this was what on Iki Island. This is the most common, most. This well is probably sold. the best-selling brand uh, from Iki Island of the seven distilleries on that island. Mm. Uh, and yeah, if you go to Nagasaki City, which is geographically very far removed from Iki Island, most places or most bars anyway will have a bottle of this, you know, straw-hued barley shochu, which is. Um, Protected internationally by the WTO, the Ikijochu appellation. Right, and we'll get into that. Yes, we will. Right? Yeah, how how right those different sort of regions Absolutely. and the nature of those mm-hmm. regions. So we will get back into that. Before we do that, we thought we'd just kind of catch up on a little bit of sake and shochu related happenings and news, and just kind yes. of warm up our brains and palates as we as we prep for for round two of shochu one hundred and one. Yes, take two. Ding ding. Yeah. ding, 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 ding. So, word. <laughs> oh, you you're looking for you're looking yeah. for news from my end. Yeah, okay, you've gotten some. Yeah, I mean, I may just repeat something that was mentioned on the last. I think it was on the last Shochu episode. Did I talk about the different events that happened on November at the beginning of November? Something about that. Yeah, yeah Shochu. Yeah. So that got yeah. yeah that got scrubbed. So we might so. as well, we can probably do that again, huh? Yeah. Well, yeah not. I mean, I think it's important for people to realize that November 1st is officially designated as uh, Honkak Shochu and Uryukyu Awamori no Hi, which mm. is the day of uh, Shochu and Awamori. And it, it much like uh, Nihonshu no Hi on one month, exactly one month earlier, yeah. it's a celebration of these drinks and there's... Uh, festivals, tastings, pairings, all sorts of hijinks performed all across the country. Right. Uh, there's a decent-sized festival here in Tokyo, and then I was down in Kyushu, down in, in Shochu HQ, and there's a three-day festival. The biggest one is called Shochu Street, which is in uh, Kagoshima City, right, right downtown in Tenmonkan. And under the arcade, they set up these booths that are different zones from the Shochu region in Kagoshima, and I think they had 113 distilleries there, all from Kagoshima, uh, set up by zone. They also had a sh- they had a, a Shinshu booth as well, which was pretty full on, and it was you know it's a hell of a deal. You you go and pay. I think what was it? It was like 500 yen. You get five drinks or something ridiculous like that, and they're not small drinks. Uh, there, it's like a adult size pour, and you go around and. Try them all, and yeah, it's a heck of a time, and it goes for three days, so it is wild. It's a very good destination event if you're if you're ever free, November first to third. Book early, grab your ticket, get down to Kagoshima City, and have some fun. Now on the third, also there was an event, and I I booked it up by train to get there in Miyazaki City in their own arcade. They do a show to non giorno. <laughs> okay. I see what you're up to. Yes. I, I, see, yeah. I see what your game is. And uh, <laughs> that's another, it's a similarly 
planned out idea, except for each, uh, not each, but most of the distilleries have their own little table that's separate from everybody else's. There's not as many distilleries in Miyazaki, so it's a little bit easier to compress like that. And it was, I think it was 2,000 yen. You got this really nice metal tumbler, like double, double line tumbler that can keep warm things warm and keep cold things cold that was branded with the Non Giorno label. And it was a free-for-all as long as you had that mug for, for a nice. few hours. Yeah, wow. it, was, it, was, it was high quality. Nice. Uh, it overperformed. So, Chris, what is shochu? Great question. Excellent question. There. I hear that one all the time. <laughs> and let's start with a couple of the important basics. Basic number one is it's a spirit, right? It is distilled. It's in the same family of the glorious drink traditions of well, let's say whiskey and tequila and rum and vodka and gin. But it's also typically bottled at between 25 and 30% alcohol. So it's a little bit of a a mid-weight spirit, I guess you could say. Now, one of the reasons why it is bottled relatively low is because the distillate, when it comes off the still, is relatively low if you compare it to other types of spirit. And that is because you are only allowed to use a pot still. And you can only use it once when you make shochu, uh, honkak shochu. And I guess I should say what that is. Honkak shochu is this authentic, the premium, the old school, the traditional style of shochu that is single distilled and only made from approved ingredients. And I'll get back to that in a moment. Single distilled. That means that for the most part, whatever starch source, whatever grain or tuber the shochu or the awamori is made from, it's going to taste and smell a lot like that starch source. And that differentiates it quite a bit from other distillates. Now, when it comes off of the still, depending on what it's made from, the most popular type of shochu happens to be, in Japan, sweet potato. That typically is about 37 to 38% ABV. And that's because it hasn't gone through a pot still a second time, like many whiskeys are. You're not allowed to do that. You can't do that and then write honkaku shochu on the label. It's just the, the tax authorities will come and rain all over your parade. So there's a lot of rules. I think that's what I'm kind of indicating here. And it's a mid-weight spirit, partly because it starts out as a rather low ABV spirit. Now, they lower it down to 25% for most sweet potato shochu, most rice and barley shochu, because at 26, uh, the tax goes up <laughs> so right. it's a, you know the tax authorities have a very keen eye focused on the way things uh, the way that alcohol is produced and where it's produced and how it's enjoyed um, having said that I think the alcohol laws in Japan are a little bit more flexible and a little bit more uh, friendly to the consumer than in many other parts of the world but it's a spirit 25 to 30 percent alcohol pot still so you get a lot of the aroma and the flavors of the ingredients that were made used to make it Okay. And then what are those ingredients? What is it made from? So the number one ingredient is by sales, as I already said, was sweet potato. Number two by sales is barley. Number three by sales is rice. And then after that, you've got a whole bunch of other things that actually, when you look at the sales figures, don't even compare, especially to the top two. But we're talking about uh, kokuto shochu, which is Japanese brown sugar. Basically, it's nearly unrefined brown sugar. So it's not the nonsense that people cook with in other parts of the world, not that granulated 
you know, they add the molasses back into it yeah, type stuff. Right. This is stuff that is is good. It's yeah, really yeah. good. It's really good. And I, I, I just I give that to people for like souvenirs and oh, stuff like that sometimes. People oh, just geez. a lot of times as a they don't use it like sugar, they use it to nibble on because it's yeah. delicious like chocolate. Like it, not that it tastes like chocolate, but it it's, is it's like so, that kind of a, right. it is so so it satisfying. Me, it me of treacle a little bit. We have we this thing called treacle. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. We, we eat the sweets in the UK. It reminds me of that quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. That type of shochu, kokuto shochu. I like to use the word kokuto because I think that it's a, it's doing it a disservice to call it brown sugar in Absolutely. a way because it's misunderstood. Absolutely. I mean, I we it, should, ma- it makes sense to permeate that, that yeah. vocabulary into the, kokuto, into the market. And, and yeah, I've noticed right. that a lot of the makers print in English kokuto on the label. They would love for that to become recognizable outside of Japan. So I'm going to use that. Cool. Kokuto is big. Soba or buckwheat yeah. shochu is very popular. Sesame shochu. And then you've got all sorts of other things. There's 53 approved base ingredients and some of the more... Like odd ones might be um, silver vine, which is okay. essentially catnip's more potent cousin. You know, you get, but this is like, it's much more potent. You give catnip to your cat, and that's a good couple of hours for the cat, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You give a cat silver vine, that's a weekend bender. <laughs> Party. <laughs> yes. Party. And they, that is an approved ingredient. Um, right. And there's a lot of these regional things like aloe, there's, there's, um, you can I make just had pumpkin cactus. the other day. There pumpkin. are several types yeah, of squashy, pumpkin yeah. type things. Lettuce shochu is yes, quite, quite interesting. Yep. Yep. And, you know, edamame. Every, bunch of stuff. Edamame shochu, really? I had edamame, yeah. Oh, wow. But the main types are basically, uh, the big groups are potatoes, sweet potatoes. Yeah. And there's dozens of varietals. So that's a huge, huge family right there. Then grains. Yeah. Okay, then you've got sake kasu that Chris yep. mentioned before. So you can take the, the leaves from, from the sake production process and distill those to make yep. a specific type of shochu. And then the fourth big group is uh, the kokuto, as I said before. Now, the interesting thing about kokuto, and this is going to lead itself into how special these categories are. The, thing, the cool thing about kokuto is that According to the Japanese government, kokuto shochu can only be made on the Amami Islands, which are technically part of Kagoshima Prefecture, but they're closer to Okinawa than they are to mainland Kagoshima. And that's the only place you can make kokuto shochu in the entire country. You make the same drink on any other piece of land in the country, and it'll be taxed as a a regular spear. But it's taxed as shochu if and only if it's made with a rice koji, Mm -hmm. starter mash, and then uh, kokuto in the secondary, and sometimes tertiary mash. So that's protected by the Japanese government. It's kind of like a geographical indication, but it's only domestic. It's not internationally recognized. The internationally recognized types, and this is crazy. Most people living in this country, 99.9% of people living in Japan don't know this. Japan has four GIs for their indigenous spirits. And one we've already talked about. It was the Iki Shochu. Uh, there are seven distilleries on Iki Island, which is a tiny little strip of land, and they are allowed to make a barley shochu called Iki Shochu. It has to be a rice starter fermentation with barley, two, uh, basically twice as much barley in the secondary fermentation as rice was used in the primary. That's a big one. Number two is sweet potato shochu made in Kagoshima from local spuds, and that can be labeled as Satsuma Shochu. Kuma Shochu from Kumamoto is a rice shochu that has to be made by one of the 20, I think it's 27 distilleries hugging the Kuma River in the Hitoyoshi Basin area. And then the fourth one is another drink made from rice, but it's technically got a different name. It's called Awamori. The GI is Ryukyu Awamori, Ryukyu, Ryukyu referring to the former kingdom name of those, of those islands. And it's 
and it's made with Thai rice. It's a rice drink, but it is nearly always made with Thai rice, and it can only be made in the Okinawan Islands. So there's those four appellations plus the Kokuto, so that's a regional one, five. It's got tons of history. It's been around for well over 500 years. It's not a new trendy thing. It's been here forever, ever, and you can find it everywhere. But it is largely unknown outside of Japan. Wow. And as you said, in Japan, everybody knows shochu, and it's either barley or it's potato. But Those anything, are the big ones. Anything above and beyond that is pretty much off the radars of probably 98% yeah. of the population. Yeah. Right? yeah. And you touched upon very briefly there at the end, awamori. Awamori. Right. So we got a pretty solid definition of shochu, kind of what that's made from, where it comes from, being you know distilled and sort of what that is. How does then awamori differ from shochu? Because it has a different name. And Great as question. you said, as you said, it can only be made, or at least it can only be well, well, that's this what we're gonna find awamori, out. Yeah. Ryukyu awamori can only be right produced in the Okinawan islands. Right. Is there a difference in process as far as how that is made? Is there a difference in ingredients? Um you mentioned using Thai rice. What's what are these how does this differ? Excellent questions. You? Excellent, excellent questions. There are, let me start with the similarities. Similarities are, and I haven't said this yet, both spirits are made with koji. Koji all day, every day. And that's just, you know, part and parcel with Japanese cuisine. Uh, if you don't know what koji is, we'll do a separate yeah, episode yeah. just on koji one of these days. But koji <laughs> it is. its own episode. Oh, absolutely. Japan's national mold. And there are three major families of koji. And uh, as you probably are aware, uh, the, you know, the people out there in, in uh, sake on airland, they know that Nihonshu is made with yellow koji. Shochu uses all three. Uh, one difference, awamori only uses black. And uh, so that would be one difference. But the thing that is similar is that both shochu and awamori are made using koji, of course. Another similarity is that you can only use a pot still to make awamori, just yep. like shochu. And, uh, you know, you use rice. So that's a similarity as well. Now, the one big procedural difference is that uh, in order to make ryukyu awamori in the traditional sense and to be able to print that on the label, you have to do a single uh, moromi fermentation. It's all one step. And so it's a, it, they call it zenkoji shikomi. Mm. So it's all koji, all rice koji fermentation. And then what you have is what you get. And it goes straight into the still after that. There's no secondary, there's no steps, there's no stages. It's a, it's a much more traditional style of making the drink than shochu is. Okay, so you're essentially going straight from what could essentially be considered the starter. It basically kind of is. From the fermentation mash. Yeah. And then that, straight that product the then goes straight into the still. Yes. As opposed to with sake, you have the starter and then you have a couple more several, steps, right? Several, a few more steps, a few more days, and then another fermentation process. Where, and then that, right, that develops. Exactly. Okay. So it's a, it's a, and that's the way I think many, many, you know, hundreds of years ago, sake wasn't nearly as, exactly. as drawn out as it is exactly. today. Exactly. Right. Shochu wasn't either. Um, shochu has less strictures in terms of, uh, you know, shochu doesn't have this all encompassing GI that controls all of these ingredients. Shochu can be made from so many different things. Awamori can only be made from rice. So that's a, that's a pretty limiting factor. And then the single step um, fermentation stricture or restriction that also kind of limits what you can do so it's a very old school style and it is technically older than shochu it's it's shochu's uncle i guess we could probably say right because the distillation technology traveled north from the ryukyu islands up into the amami islands and then over to yakushima and then to tanegashima and then hopped over across the into the bay up into kagoshima city 
or some maybe not all the way up into the city, but probably somewhere along the southern coast. And it's, yeah, I mean, Awamori is its own thing. It's it's called it's it's got a different name, but you could technically make something similar in in anywhere in Japan and call it a shochu. You could call it an awamori too. You just couldn't call it a ryukyu awamori. Right. Right. Um, vice versa. Could you make, could you call something that's made like a shochu an awamori? Yeah, if it was made from rice with black koji, I suppose you could. Um, and it was a single, well, I guess you don't have to do the single step fermentation unless you want to make a ryukyu awamori. Oh, right, okay. So I guess awamori in and of itself is not in incredibly restrictive but that gi is mm. that gi respects the 600 years of history mm. so they don't they don't have a lot of wiggle room there where does that um i, I personally like the vanilla flavor that you get with yeah the, the aro- vanilla aroma that you get with the awamoria where, where does that come from that's i it's from the thai rice i imagine um and you probably know about it, as much about the thai rice and the benefits of using it and the and the like why would you stick with Thai rice all this time? Mm. And a lot of it's tradition, but probably you can comment on that as well. What are some of the other benefits of using Thai rice? Do you well, think? Um, well, in the case of sake, I mean, you, you can't really use um, kind of Thai rice. Uh, I mean, it's not impossible, but it becomes, it's difficult to polish the rice because it's generally it's brittle. long grain as well, right? Yeah, so it cracks easily. It cracks and it cracks in the wrong place. So like, we're left with the wrong part of the rice after the polishing. And it, it generally, it's... it's it's harder as well, and mm-hmm. maybe a little bit too hard for making sake. There are, you know, theorists out there that think one day we'll probably be making, you know, sake with Thai rice. Maybe if the polishing technology, you know, develops in a way that makes that possible. Um, the first thing I, I would think of, I suppose, is that you've got more protein, um, you know, than you have starch, maybe, and and that's going to add it, is, add some girth to the right, to and because the, the rice is harder, pro- maybe it's going to be easier to handle and easier to control when it kind of breaks up in the in the fermentation. But perhaps breaking the rice up in the fermentation isn't such a you it's know, not. Well, if you're just doing thing. that single, if you're basically going essentially kind of from the starter as well too, right. that could you're getting kind of more concentrated. It also it'll absorb yeah. moisture a little bit quicker too. Right, yeah. so. right, right. So interesting. I can comment a little bit more on why it's more complex than, for instance, a rice shochu. Um, rice shochu usually, more often than not, is made with a more modern pot still called a low pressure or a vacuum still. It's a uh, genatsu joryu is the technical term. And it, it essentially creates a vacuum inside the pot during distillation, which allows you to uh, boil the moromi, the wort, or the, the mash, I should say, not the wort, um, at a far lower temperature than normal, which provides for a much softer treatment of whatever is in that mash. Mm. And so the rice shochu, the kumajochu uh, kumiai, most of them switched over to uh, genatsu joryu a long time ago, which is why rice shochu tends to be very light, nice fragrance, but it's it's a very very low profile type of shochu. It really is easy for a lot of people to understand. Some of the drinks will have nice ginjo qualities. They'll they'll be using very high quality rice from the area, and it's I the the number of sorry the opposite of genatsu is atmospheric distillation, which is joatsu joryu, and the number of joatsu. Uh, produced rice shochu is actually not that large. Awamori, on the other hand, is almost entirely joatsu, which means that, you know, alcohol, sorry, and I can't do the Fahrenheit off the top of my head, but alcohol alcohol will evaporate at 78 degrees Celsius, right? So that 
is far higher than Genatsu. Genatsu, you can get to, to waft off to mist off at like 45. You know? So you're getting a much, I would say, a much more wholesome treatment of the mash constituents at an atmospheric distillation. Atmospheric being the traditional style. Like the original pot stills, yep. those were atmospheric stills. They weren't sealed at all, really. Yeah. Um, and, of course, these days we have more modern stills that are made out of stainless steel, and they're, very, they're much easier to maintain and to clean, and they, they're much more consistent. But there is a huge difference when you use a uh, vacuum still as opposed to a traditional atmospheric distillation. Interesting. And the big yeah. thing with other spirits, so well, we're we're kind of uh, we're, we're enjoying a, a short chew here, which is which tastes quite you know has a lot of whiskey kind of notes mm. in it, and so whiskey just kind of popped into my mind. And one thing about whiskey, of course, is the aging that you do and the kind of different vessels that you use as well. Is there any of that with with shochu or awamori, and is that part of the regulations? Or um, yeah, okay, yeah. great, great. Um, what awamori has going for it, and not that not that any other type of. Uh, aging is inferior but awamori has a long-standing shitsugi what it's called shitsugi which is fractional blending tradition much like a solera in the sherry world oh, okay. and they i mean just amazing amazing history to some of these drinks because you're not just drinking this year's batch you're drinking this year's batch mixed with last year's batch mixed with batches from three generations ago like because they'll have a you know, pots lined up, wow. right? And when you take from the oldest pot, then you refill with the second oldest pot. And the third oldest pot goes into the second oldest pot. And then you go all the way back to the end of the, of the shitsugi, and then that's where you add this year's to fill up. It's, it's exactly like the solar It's exactly system. like it, Did, did yes. it come from that, or is I don't it think just it did. I think it was a coincidence. Yeah, okay. Yes. Very interesting. And that is very, very cool. There's a lot of pot aging, which adds minerality to the drinks. It allows... Uh, Ray, UV, sun rays to get through. There's okay. there's some there's some communication with the outside air. The pots sweat. It's it's a really cool style. Now, of course, enamel tank or you know glass line tanks are also a thing, but pot aging is you know or clay earthenware vessel aging is a big thing for awamori. So there's there's so much potential for that added value to something like that. It's it's Absolutely. really special stuff. I, Absolutely. I, I, that's also been kind of sort of part of the appealing angle of Awamori for me is being able to dip into that. And it's, it's not just the really complex and nuanced, really fascinating flavor profiles and it just being generally delicious, Yeah. but just the, the cultural associations mm -hmm. with that as well. I, they do that on a, right on a production level, but there's like families will do that on a personal level sure. as well. Right. Absolutely. People will have that at home yeah. and they will use that to, you know, commemorate, Oh, big yeah, yeah, life yeah. events and Absolutely. things like that. So you go to people's homes and they might have, you know, these pots that are lined up for the last, right. you know, yeah. 15 years or 20 years the, that, oh, this is the one we got when, you know, so-and-so was born or this is when we got married or things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. I mean, they the Chuko, which is a great distillery just outside of Naha. Oh, they are fantastic. And they, it, they are, yeah. And they, ha they, do, they have their own style of pottery that is kind of like their style. They're, they're the ones that do the, the, the four-day four day Yeah, that's the Yokakoji. Yeah, yep. the Yokakoji. And that's they have amazing. this, they have these, pots that when they kiln the pots they actually allow the flames to scald the outside of the pots it's a really distinctive style and they do a lot of their own aging and in their tasting room at the distillery and if you're in Naha you absolutely must just take a quick cab ride out yes. to, to, to that place underneath the tasting room is, a, is, a, is an aging cellar where 
lots of families have you know brought their newborn in and they they do a handprint on this thing and they're going to hold that earthenware pot of awamori until the kid turns 20 or until he gets married or something like that they do a similar thing very very sake, cool wrapping it in newspaper oh great with, yeah with, to date with, it with something on you know and use just something fantastic on there for the date that you were born and then you, you obviously you know the newborn goes back and retrieves it when they're fantastic the yeah we're just we're just taking care of this for you until you're old yeah. enough to drink yeah, yeah. It's love a, it's it it's a great thing love it so awamori is yeah uh, the uh, aging in awamori i mean you'll find places that you know, they put it in bottles and they sink the bottles to the bottom of the ocean and they age mm. it down there. You know, there's a lot of different techniques, but I would say clay is pretty common. Um, if we move on to, we move north into shochu territory, you've got a bit more diversity there. And there's, uh, there's the clay pot aging that happens as well. And you also get a lot of, for larger distillers, a lot of tank aging. And then there's a lot more barrel aging. And we're not, and of course, some of the barrels are made here. Some of them are new wood. But there's a lot of repurposed bourbon and sherry casks oh, that are yeah. used in Japan. Japan's a major customer uh, for those industries. The sake industry is becoming one. That's true. They're yep. starting yes. to dip it, the, yeah. Yeah. their toes into the, that. There's water a lot well. of fun that can be had. Um, we're gonna we're gonna get a lot of kind of suspect stuff in the interim because you know I probably shouldn't say this. This is my way of thinking of of it. But I'm not. I mean, I would be if I was in the market for used casks. Wouldn't you be a little nervous about that? Like, what is mm. the quality of this used cask? Mm. What was it? What exactly has been in it before? Mm. So I would, I would be a little bit. There would, I would need to be in the hands of a very competent broker to make sure that I was getting what I thought I was getting. But, but having said that, there are, uh, is a ton of excellent product coming out, and there will be so much more soon. Uh, just through my own personal connections to the industry. The number of, uh, I mean, there's a bunch of distilleries that are playing around with things, and they have been for a while. So there's a lot of stuff that's sleeping right now that's going to just be sprung on us. Yes. Pretty soon. Yeah, and there's a lot of stuff that'll come out. I imagine with the Olympics barreling down on us, I bet 2020 sees a bunch of interesting labels coming out. Two years left. Well, yeah, we're, we're right there, <laughs> man. We are right there. Not even. It could still happen. Oh, we got the rugby, obviously. Before that's that. true. One one question I have: mm. um, When I was working in London, and and actually, I mean, I work for a food and drink Japanese food and drink ingredient supplier. So, as well as sake, we were also selling like uh, plum wine and shochu, and so I have a bit of experience shochu sales myself. And one problem I would have in London is that a lot of people would say would mispronounce shochu as yeah. soju. Right. Yeah. Right. So, what is this soju thing? Uh, okay. And yeah. That's cause that's abs- Oh, it's the biggest thorn in my backside and in my neck and in my rib hip yeah every <laughs> everything in between so uh yeah soju so soju is is a product it's a very well you know very what's the word consumed on an insane level drink from korea and it is a spirit it's a it's not made in a pot still so it doesn't taste like what it's made from it's essentially it's it's a vodka that is distilled up to maximal ethanol proof which is around 95 to 96 percent then it's bottled at these days it's pretty low it's down in the teens i've seen a lot that's in the 16s and 17s these days when i lived in korea it was 22 but i think as as the you know i think the industry is trying to preserve profit margins so they just keep on watering it down a little bit more and a little bit more so now we're down into a territory that a lot of korean fans of the drink are no longer happy with they're just like this is not what i always used to drink and it tastes very different now. Um, whatever. That's a huge thing, not just in Korea, but internationally. There are a number of, 
of soju brands, S-O-J-U, that are selling very well around the world, particularly in Korean barbecue joints and other types of restaurants. And it's a communal type of drink, you know? It's, you know, you pour for each other. It's consumed at pace. It's a very lively atmosphere. It's just how it works. And unfortunately, uh, California, California. And I don't think this is the same case. This is not the same case in England. But saying shochu for whatever reason, S-H-O-C-H-U, is difficult for a lot of people. It's really hard for people to say. Soju, on the other hand, is not so tricky. There's very few, you know, internal acrobatics that need to take place. So that's one thing. But the other thing is California. California state, the Korean diaspora back in the 90s, lobbied the state legislature to be able to serve uh, soju, which at that point was still in the 20s, I think, in terms of ABV. Korean soju. Korean soju, thank you. To be able to serve that on a soft liquor license. Now, soft liquor in California, as it is in most places, is beer and wine. It's a regular license that a normal restaurant would want to have in order to serve beer and wine, not spirits. Now, soju and shochu, that'll come in later, are low-proof, relatively low-proof spirits. So it doesn't make sense for a mom-and-pop you know, Korean barbecue place to get a full-blown bar license, which is really hard to do anyway and, in, and cost prohibitive. Uh, you know, it's, the number of those licenses are often restricted by jurisdiction. So it didn't make any sense for one of those shops to go out and get a full bar license when all they wanted to serve was soju. So they lobbied and they, yeah, they organized and they did a great job and they got the law changed. They made it so that you could serve anything labeled S-O-J-U that was bottled at 24% or lower. And came in a green bottle. Yeah. <laughs> that was part of the green. <laughs> it seems to always be green if it's from Korea. It is those little green bottles, the 350 mil bottles. Wow. But they got it done. And so now in many places with soft liquor licenses, you can find soju. Now, the shochu industry, which was not selling any shochu in the States back in the 90s, was like, oh, that's a big loophole, isn't it? We'll just bottle 1% lower than normal. We'll dilute just a little bit more. We'll just write SOJU somewhere on the front label. And then we can sell our stuff at Japanese restaurants. <sighs> okay, at the time, I'm sure it was a great idea. It seemed like a it nice idea, like idea at the time. time. So what has happened, though, is that, you know, with the omnipotence of Korean soju, those, those green bottles, everybody, and, and the fact that it says soju on all the Japanese shochu, mm. nobody knows the difference. And, and, of course, those same labels are not just used in California because because California is a big, uh, is a very, very large market. They're used all over the country. So that's just the de, de facto export label, yeah. um, which is, for someone like me, is infuriating because one of, the, one of the biggest, one of the most common exchanges I have with people is I say, okay, so who's had, who's had shochu before? And lots of people are like, yep. And I say, okay, where was the first place you had shochu? And invariably, Half of, more than half of those people will say, oh, at a Korean restaurant. Oh, okay. So there's v- no recognition of the difference between the two drinks. With the American market in particular, we're not starting from zero with them, per se. We're actually starting from minus about 15 to 20 because some of the people in this room that I'm talking to, you know, when I'm, giving, when I'm talking in front of, 
you know, at, at Kumiai events or whatever, some of you guys in this room have been actively misinforming our target audience since the 90s. Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah. And they know who they are and they know, yeah, we shouldn't do that. But, you know, it just isn't, hasn't been worth their while yet to, to go against it. And there, has, there is a draft in the legislature. There's a draft in the pipeline to amend the law in California to allow shochu to also be labeled faithfully and sold on a soft license, but it's been in limbo since, like, The Last Jedi or something like that. You mentioned honkak shochu, and this being the, quote-unquote, traditional or the, the real deal. Right. Um, yes. Single pot still. Mm-hmm. When you say traditional, in traditional, in what sense, in what term? Are we talking mm-hmm. from... 50 years ago, 100 years ago? And I guess this would maybe lead us to where in the heck did shochu come from? Is mm-hmm. that honkaku shochu? Is that the origin of shochu? It's like, for example, in the sake world, a lot of people associate, you know, real sake or the proper sake with something like ginjo, daiginjo, whereas mm-hmm. that's a world that has only existed for a small fraction of the his- well, historical last, timeline, 20, 20 right? We're only really yeah. looking at, you yeah. know, it actually being a true a product that's available on the market for people for the last 30 years, 40 years, maybe. About the 1980s. You know? Um, And so is Honkak Shochu, is that something that, is that its original state? Is that something that has come about Mm -hmm. recently? What is... The word Honkaku was the result of this traditional single distilled style kind of being seen in a poor light, mostly by its former name, because Mm -hmm. of its former name. Now... The single distilled stuff was just shochu forever. Then in 1910, the column still started to be used in Japan to make a new style of shochu, which was essentially a vodka. Okay, it was a koji-based vodka. Uh, the column stills allow, allows you to make a nearly pure ethanol spirit. And that was a, a revelation because it was clean, it was easy, it was cheap to make. And that became known as korui shochu. Ah, okay. Korui, yes. and, then, and then the the traditional stuff, and it wasn't really thought of as traditional, just the older stuff, the, the original shochu was otsurui. And you know the difference between ko and otsu. Ko is better, is superior, otsu is inferior. Mm. And it was that way for quite a while. That was not great for the old school industry that was still making shochu in a relatively traditional way so they rebranded they rebranded and they came up with a new word or they decided they were all going to start using honkaku and honkaku meant traditional style so single distilled and i i I actually don't know exactly when the list of 53 ingredients was officially codified but it only uses those those ingredients that are designated by the tax office and nothing else nothing else can be called honkaku so honkaku, the word honkaku came about as a way to defend the quality of the category from this weird naming, uh, you know, just this wrinkle of the naming world that they really didn't have any control over. It just happened to them, kind of. Okay. And that's where honkaku came from. Okay. So it's not an old word, really. Okay. It's a relatively recent concoction. Right. In Japanese, uh, honkaku essentially means like the real deal. Authentic. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> authentic. <laughs> yeah. It's been variously translated as premium as well. Mm. I, I, I like uh, authentic. I think authentic is yeah. a great way to put it. I've had some good kōrui shochu. 
So, you know, I think it's possible you could have premium Gorishu Q as well, right? Yeah, you but could. It, j- just it doesn't have as much flavor, does it? Because it, it, obviously it's been distilled multiple times. Yeah, so. it's, it's, and it's not, I mean, it's something that generally gets mixed. I mean, when you. That's w- when you start looking at maybe cocktails and things like yeah, that. That's exactly. Yeah, exactly. That, that you could more faithfully, you could say that it's similar to Korean soju, except for Korean soju has tons of sweeteners add, added to it. You could do that with Korui, but it's not necessary because people make too high with it right it's it mm. you know that's what if you go to a japanese supermarket and you see a gigantic plastic five liter jug of something at the bottom of the you know the spirits aisle that's korui shochu probably and no you should not buy it and no you should not drink it unless you just lost a significant court case <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's it's just it's not really meant to be consumed yeah. on its own right and so hey, so there's maybe potential to use that and things like cocktails and whatever. Absolutely. However, however, if what's in this, oh, what's in this really fancy cocktail you got? Oh, shochu. And then that becomes the standard. Then you're kind of going down another slippery slope yeah. where you're using that's something that is misinterpreting. What is oh, what is correct. this thing you're putting in there? And then you're giving people a taste at the bar and they're going, okay, this is, I, I see what this is. Yeah, this you is know? Yeah. not very exciting at all. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. So the, I th- a thing that I want to say is that shochu is not only bottled at 25 to 30 percent there's a lot of stuff especially these days it's becoming more popular the so-called genshu the the undiluted shochu if it's a like i said before sweet potato it's going to be 37 to 38 probably if it's rice which has a phen- tends to have a much better starch content it's going to be up in the low 40s uh honkak shochu can be bottled as as high as as 45 or 44.9 percent alcohol and then anything above that is going to just be labeled as a spirit Okay. Uh, and but you can get decent alcohol content on your shochu as well, and it's becoming a thing. I mean, it's it always has been a thing, but there are more and more consumers in Japan that are seeking it out, and I think it has opportunity. It has potential in the states as well. Um, you were talking about yoka koji. I think that's a great example. It's a very complex drink. It is that it is. in it's a good bar complex. you could just pour that in a glass and push it across, slide it across the bar, and say, "Hey, check this out." Right. You know, this is just wild. It's got so many layers. It's 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 a transformer type of drink, right? Um, and there's a, there is a lot of that out there. It's just not easy to find because mm. it's not as it's not as easy to sell. There's not as much of a market for it. Mm. But I think it has potential. I think that's a big one for the overseas market pers- yeah. uh, in particular. And are there any shochu which have like really really low levels of alcohol to make it really really accessible to people who mm. don't like drinking spirits? Sh- sure. Yeah, that's a great question. There are a couple especially these days. One of the one really good one is uh it's called Q made by Kuroki Honten which came out a couple of years ago. And I I'm going to get the it's in the low teens I think or it might even be like it, I think it's 15 but it may be as low as 14. Uh, and it's made not with the traditional or the regular kogane, kogane sengan sweet potatoes, which are super fleshy white. This is more of an orangish type of sweet potato that has a great aroma, even at a low alcohol content. And, uh, you know, chill it, put it in a, in a flute. It's pretty good. Um, I, was, I was absolutely blown away by even when chilled, the aroma off of this low proof shochu. I was like, how did you do that? And I didn't get an answer. The guy just, the, the toji, the, the master distiller just looked at me with this big grin on his face. He's like, I'm not going to tell you. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, can, you can come and see, but then I'll have to kill you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there are, there are a few. But uh, the other side of this discussion that I want to 
that I, we didn't we haven't talked about before we didn't talk about it last time is basically all spirits are diluted and i want people to remember that um your whiskey is diluted your your vodka absolutely is because if you drank it at at you know the pure distillate strength you'd go blind yep. all right so i mean dilution in the spirits world is Standard. not rare yep. and if you look at the number of points that shochu is being diluted it's actually far less than than vodka is being dis, uh, diluted or or gin is being diluted so there's actually arguably less dilution so i just want people to be aware of that uh so yeah i know people are well, why do you delete dilute it well okay yeah there's a bunch of explanations for that but you should be asking the same question about everything you drink okay yep. now if you if you don't like dilution so much then fine Drink beer, drink wine, drink drink Nihonshu, which gets diluted very, very little. Mm. You know, but you know, don't 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 cross shochu and awamori off the list just because it's diluted, because yeah, yeah, that's yeah. just standard practice. Yeah, it's it just as a result because it doesn't really exist something where in the in that market a lot of stuff that's around that alcohol percentage are you know, liqueurs or these other, sure, you right. know, sure. uh, just a completely different category that is used entirely differently or whatever. And so these types of things with this flavor prof profile um, at that ABV is yeah. just, it's hard for people to wrap their heads around. And so it's kind of like, yeah, that's certainly you know, the case. But the, everybody is confused by that midway ABV. Right. But the, the numbers on the bottle don't tell the whole story. No. Maybe in the industry, maybe it's, best you know going forward not to talk about the dilution in, in shochu because one thing is that you never talk about it with whiskey right you never talk about it with vodka it's never even it's never it's never even pondered right so may maybe the mistake is actually talking about dilution to begin with and then of course you get people asking about and then they you know may maybe just as a kind of a, an idea maybe it's best not to you know it's lower alcohol but but kind of leave well, it there you address it when they ask exactly well the, and the, the unfortunate the Problem is that they always they ask. always ask because yeah, they they always ask. Ask. why is this why is this why is it only twenty five yeah. yeah yeah well because it's diluted to twenty five <laughs> why would you do that well there's a bunch of explanations for it but it also happens to be a pretty nice happy medium for you know yeah. it balances out in many for many drinks most drinks it balances out pretty well in the twenties yeah uh, and that was just that wasn't because the tax office knew what it was doing yeah. you know it, but it wasn't. Nice it coincidence. Makes it difficult to use for cocktails, so it doesn't. Oh, it's absolutely challenging. Level. Absolutely, you, you definitely need the kind of genshu for the you know the undiluted ones. For I I agree, and even with the genshu, you're going to have to have a very talented uh, bartender to really, really go through it, really, really focus on it, and uh, finding a way to highlight the qualities of of the shochu, I, especially. I mean, the most interesting shochu, I mean, are the really, really complex, earthy, pungent ones. Uh, you know, I'm talking sweet potato shochu that's made with potatoes from super, super volcanic soil with all that minerality. And and that's going to be outside of most people's wheelhouse. Mm. You know, you've just got to think about it a lot. Uh, you got to try new flavor connections. And, mm. and, you know, people eat a lot of sweet potato products. But guess what? Sweet potato shochu, whole nother oh, it is. world. It is a whole different world. And it's amazing. It's not for everybody, especially not for beginners. Um, but once you get into sweet potato shochu, it's a lot like your super peaty scotch. It's a lot like your burn the back of your head off uh, IPA. It, it's something that you kind of work into. And then once you figure it out, there's no going it back. Gets it's, no, you're, yeah. you're not going back ever. You're like, and you just need more and more. So 
it's it's a really interesting category. The entire shochu and awamori category, if you lump them together like that, forgive me. Uh, it's very, very interesting. Endless, endless depth and complexity and diversity. But it's gonna be it's gonna take some talented folks to figure out new ways to mix these drinks if it goes that direction. I hope it does. I think it would be really interesting. There's a lot of potential to do some different interesting stuff because you get flavor profiles that you don't get. They just don't exist in other categories. That being said, being a little bit lower ABV, um, having a number of different drinking styles, you drink it on the rocks, you drink it with water, maybe warm water. There's a lot of different ways you can approach that with tea. There's a lot of different approaches to shochu. It makes it a really nice sipping beverage, not just after a meal or sitting at the bar, but... Is you're snacking some some tasty foods and things like that. Where does yeah. where does shochu? I, I think overseas there's it's still kind of blue ocean. Where mm-hmm. where where does this sit on the on the table? But from a drinks nerd, yeah, sorry to cut you off, yeah. but th- from a drinks nerd perspective, it's a it's a very fascinating drink because as I often say, there's not a pretentious bone in shochu's body. Basically, the way you like to drink it is the best way to drink it. So if you want to drink it on the rocks, absolutely. If you want to mix it 50-50 with hot water to boost the bouquet, absolutely. That's, the tr- that's actually one of the traditional ways to do it. You want to mix it with soda? Go ahead. You want to make your own signature cocktail? Fine. You want to drink it in earthenware you know, pottery or in a, in a wine glass? Whatever. There, there are no rules. Do it your way. That's the great thing about shochu and awamori. But it's also the, the, the most confusing thing because people outside of Japan, the, the right answer. they're just like, well, but... Okay, I get it. Shochu is everything and can be anything to anyone, but what is it? Yeah. And and it's hard. It's really hard to pigeonhole and maybe that's something that the industry needs to focus more on. I agree. I think yeah, you need to sell it as a spirit that's not like any other spirit in the world in that it's free. It's it comes with freedom, you know, like you know, whiskey has a very, you know, particular right. way you should enjoy it and the purists will tell you you shouldn't be drinking it that way or whatever. And yeah. it's true, we showed you you never no one ever tells you that's not the way you drink shochu. They just kind of let you get on with it and enjoy it. So we might, yeah, we might be at a point where the market can tolerate something like that yeah, now. I'd yeah. like to think. I mean, I if, hope so. if you're if you're looking for a big boost, if you have you know the marketing power and all that stuff, you you might need a more clear marketing message, possibly. Mm. But mm. but there's enough general interest around food and beverage mm. and things right now where people are, you know, I think mm. they maybe I'd like to think that they're. They're able to ready pick, yeah, ready for, for something, something of, that is a little bit more. I don't want to say ambiguous, but more but flexible. It's, it's a knuckleball, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a big old knuckleball. Yeah, 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 knuckleball. yeah. It's a fat knuckleball. You don't know where it's gonna go. You don't know. Yeah. You just gotta. You just gotta kind of get your body in front of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's so easy to pair with food, isn't it? I mean, there there isn't really. I mean, I've, it's I've hard to find a really find blaring that, bad match. Yeah, yeah, it just kind of seems. It to doesn't get have well much acidity because you know it's a spirit. Um, at the at in the twenties, and most people don't. Nobody, I should say this: drinking shochu and awamori straight is not so common. Mm. It's usually it is at least on the rocks. Mm. Many times it's on the rocks with a little bit of added water, which yeah. is called mizuari. Yeah, um, with soda added, hot water. Right, so it tends to get knocked down into the teens anyway. So you're talking about a spirit that has an ABV when you're drinking it in you know the 17 to 18 percent range, mm. which is radically different from most other spirits that you would enjoy normally at home. So yes, it can go with a lot of food, and it doesn't fight with most stuff. Um, so of course there are great pairings, and that's that's obviously another episode. But uh, you can very safely consume this spirit with food which is weird for people yep. uh, outside of japan except i mean except for 
this part of the world. But in country, the countries we're from, uh, and and further and farther flung, yeah, it's it's not so normal to drink a spirit with your food. But in Japan, that's absolutely how it works. So yeah, drink it with food if you're if you're that adventurous. Try it because um, you will find some very happy marriages, just as you do with with the other amazing drinks from Japan, except for maybe whiskey. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I would like to know, and perhaps we can we can move this into a different part of the program, depending uh, how we edit it. But um, like I would like to know how Chris discovered shochu. How did you fall in love with this <laughs> yeah. beverage? It's you funny because you, right? yeah, you, you, uh, you found awamori before. I did. Sho- I before sake. The funny thing, <laughs> the funny thing is, I found sake before shochu. <laughs> um, so I, I had had some rather unimpressive experiences with uh, nihonshu in the United States. Um, this was back in the '90s. It was when you know it was the you know everybody has this. Not everybody. A lot of people have this story where you were given the sake that was open like three months beforehand by the previous customer who actually wanted to drink it and they heat it up to kill some of the bitterness and it still tastes like yeah, I had a v- rather not nice word for it but I was forced to drink it on numerous occasions came to Japan uh, was only planning to be here for a year and while I was waiting for my partner to my missus to to go to she had a job that finished quite late and I would go and kind of wait for her to get back to the station and walk her home and there was a little, dirty little izakaya there, fantastic little place that did primarily sake. And I was enthralled at the quality of just average sake. I was like, this isn't anything like I had in the States. Mm-hmm. So I drank my, my way back and forth across those shelves like you wouldn't believe. And then one day, the, the master, he was, he was like 195 years old. And he just like, okay, today we're having this. And it wasn't sake and i had no idea what it was but i smelled it and i was like this is a spirit and my japanese ability was not impressive at all i hadn't studied the language before arriving so and even better after going back and forth across the shelf <laughs> yeah, <a little> bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> learning a word as you go learning a word <laughs> well, you know what? actually to a certain extent uh, my japanese gets way better in that ca- in that instance there, there, there's that fine there line is there that, right yeah, that, no there's yeah. the edge yeah. well i hadn't gotten anywhere near the edge yet so my japanese was still uh, obscenely in no it was inferior okay. it was i was at the, the first japanese expression that i learned after thank you was awanashi de kudasai for for in one getting beer oh, i was like okay. don't give me a three inch head on my beer <laughs> so i would say no head on the beer and they're like huh like just don't don't you learn the words don't, that you need to, yeah to don't to push back on the lever you yeah. only Basic pull the lever skills. Basic survival skills yeah <laughs> so he pushed this glass in front of me i smelled it. i was like this is a spirit he had no idea what i was talking about he's like just drink it you know, basically gestures. So I took a sip. I was like, oh, that's interesting. What is this made from? And he didn't tell me, but I was like, oh, that's all right. Okay, and it was a barley shochu. And he was surprised that I'd, I didn't hate it. And I think he was hoping I was going to hate it. So I, the next thing he reached for was a, was a sweet potato shochu, which most people from outside of Japan just cannot fathom. You know, or at least at that time they couldn't. And he pushed that in front of me, and I took a whiff of it. And I was like, whoa, 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 this is not... Not the same thing. What is this? He's like, it's shochu. I'm like, yeah, but you said the last one was shochu. He's like, no, 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 it's, it's also shochu. I'm like, how? They smell so completely different. And he said, I don't know. Shochu is shochu. Just drink it. And so I took a sip. I was like, that's really interesting. I have never tried anything like that in my life. He's like, wow, foreign guy doesn't hate that either. Okay, let's try again. So he brought down a few more bottles of whatever shochu he had. And I went through like, I think I went through five different types, all different ingredients. And I was 
gobsmacked that these were all called the same thing. I was like, how is, how is this possible <laughs> that something made from kokuto, something made from rice, and something made from sweet potato can be the same damn drink? I, had, I just was like, well, where do they make this? And eventually it came around that the word Kyushu came up. I had never heard that word before. It's made in Kyushu. I was like, where is that? Can I, can I get there on a train? They said, yeah, technically. <laughs> if you have a day <laughs> if you have, half, If you yeah. have a couple days. So, and of course, Wikipedia, this was 2000, early 2003. So Wikipedia was just in its infancy. Did not have a shochu page, of course. So I had nowhere to go except for to Kyushu. So that's, I was off. And that was the beginning of my journey rabbit hole rabbit yeah, hole. yeah, yeah. that was the very entrance to the rabbit hole and yeah I have, I have that particular experience to wake me up to the fact that you know what when you go into the supermarket all those bottles you can't read probably about 40 to 50 percent of them are shochu and i had no idea i just thought they were all sake yep. i just they do look very similar the bottles to be fair a lot i mean the there's once you know then once you once you're really into it, then you can you can just looking at it for a nanosecond, you can say, "Oh, that's more of a sake style," yeah. or "Oh, that's more of a shochu yeah. style." You can see the stylistic differences, but to the uninitiated, no way. We should probably say actually, it's important. I think they, everyone wants to go out and kind of buy shochu. Do be careful because sometimes they do bottle the shochu in exactly the same kind of bottles as the the sake. But they you can also look really have similar. Special kind of nine hundred milliliter kind of square bottles, and you know, slightly fatter bottles right? right and when then you can tell the difference between the main difference is basically the alcohol percentage right. so if right. you can find that and annoyingly they use they don't always use a percentage symbol they use right. dole in Japan, many times use, yeah, yeah, the degrees so but anything that's above 20 is going to be a, sh- a spirit anything below 20 then you're more likely to be uh sake so that's the easiest way to do it i guess you know google sensei is quite helpful these days Mm. but google sensei also makes its own mistakes for instance google sensei will often translate mugi as wheat Mm. but shochu is not made from wheat because it's an inferior starch source it's Mm. always old mugi which is barley Mm. and you see that all the time wheat shochu Mm. uh no no. Maybe you could learn the, the, the if you're going to learn any Japanese. Maybe just you learn the the character for fire, and you know because that really appears on on a bottle of sake, right? I mean, mostly. Yeah, not really. Yeah, not so you, you could look even for in that. The, even in the names of different sake right. and stuff like that. Maybe you don't really maybe see it. hire. Um, the, the pasteurization. Oh, that's true. Oh, that's true. Oh, but that's no. on the back. But that's on the back normally, yeah. isn't it? Or or on the or, or could on it be on the front or on the oh, okay. shoulder? That's not going to work. Yeah. Maybe learn the character for Shochu. I mean, well, that's it's the a easy way. Cool yeah. character, that's the it? easy way. I mean, learn the character for Shochu, learn the character for Sake or, sh- or Nihonshu. Or Seishu or Nihonshu. Seishu, yeah. and then maybe you can tell them apart. I guess but. you need to be able to tell the difference between Sho and Sei. Yes. 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 Both quite difficult characters. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're both, neither are ones that <laughs> I could both, easily both rattle off. Tall ass. They're both pretty tall. Yeah, ass. Pretty yeah. tall ass, yeah. brother, I said we do we do have a communication problem as a, as a whole. We do. This both all the, all these industries, Mosaka uh, yeah. and Shochu. I said that's it, it's not just the international community; it's people in Japan. I said a lot of them. Yeah, they're used to it, so they can probably discern the difference. But yeah. still, a lot of people here. There's they're gonna walk yeah. in and really, unless they're, you know. Yeah, pretty attuned to things. They're they're going to be confused as to it's what's on the shelf it's as well. It's a so challenge. That's a it's all part of the fun. Chris, thank you, Christopher. Thank you. Sorry, I, I say Chris, and that that might <laughs> we got two Chris our listeners. Yeah. I, this is Chris B and Chris H. Right or, or, there you go. I say we, gotta, right. we have to come up with other <laughs> names to little Chris and big Chris. Yeah, yeah, that works. Oh, show you Christians. That could work too. Both, yeah. Well, we'll come up with something. Thank you, Justin. We'll put that. Appreciate it. Thanks. So that was good. That was excellent. Now we have. 
a strong foundation to build from. Yes. To build upon for upcoming episodes. Chris. I found it really educational. I mean, I thought I knew Shochu, and you know, I mean, it's like that. Well, it's like that with Saki as well, isn't it? Though. Um, yeah. And I just realized how much I, I didn't know about Shochu. Um, so that's encouraged me to go out and discover more about this wonderful yeah, beverage. Said, I've, it's been a lot of fun doing this all together because I've had more chances to go out and do Shochu a little bit more. Yeah. And it's made me proactive about my more explorations and research into Shochu as well. And so it's, it's, been, it's been a lot of fun. This is your, in, your influence in us all in a very yeah, positive thank way. Thank you for having me, Justin. Way, I so. appreciate it. And uh, I look forward to... Uh, influencing your your free time (laughs) (laughs) moving forward (laughs) and with that we have come to the conclusion of one more episode of sake on air thank you gentlemen as always thank you thank you very much we will be back in two weeks i think yes definitely within two weeks depending on where this when this airs it could be one week yeah Uh, we're we're kind of we've built up a lot of great interview content so we're kind of trying to it, it's tough to sit on this stuff for a long period of time. You get some good interviews and get a chance to chat with people. So we want to try and get that out into the world as fast as we can. So in a week or two weeks, you'll hear from us again. Please do follow up with us. Send us your questions, comments, ideas, uh, feedback to questions at sakeonair.com. You can leave us a friendly review on your favorite podcast listening site or resource. And you can always follow us on at sakeonair. And that should do it for another episode. So, yes. How, where, where can everybody find you gentlemen? I'm on uh, Twitter at Chris Pellegrini and on Instagram at Christopher Pellegrini. Sorry, uh, Twitter doesn't allow my full name. Uh, and I'm reasonably consistent. So, I'm on Instagram. Um, I mean, a lot of people telling me I should change my Instagram handle. I'll think about it. Um, but it's it's a bit of a, a, bit of a tricky one. Uh, sake. Same spelling as sake, no N-O, and then tabibito, T-A-B-I-B-I-T-O. That's where you'll find me. There it is. That's it. And you can find me on, gosh, Potske Productions is one. My personal handle, I guess, on Instagram is crew, C-R-U underscore Jones underscore 33. If anybody can get to me with what that is a reference to, <laughs> I yeah you know I've I've been curious about it I never thought I will, about that I will send you a sake prize I will that oh, is if, okay if Crew we'll, Jones thirty three if anybody can figure out what I'm gonna that figure might out be referencing Chris. or where that is from <laughs> it's on <I'll>, okay <laughs> I will I will personally send a sake prize uh, to anyone I who think is, Frank's already got the answer so he's, he's it's the dark he, horse he's, he's grinning he's grinning it's the dark horse so anyway. That wraps up another episode of Sake on Air. Uh, thanks to you gentlemen, as Thank well as uh, everyone here at the Sake, the Japan Sake and Shochu Information Center that hosts us every week when we when we do this. And we will be back again very shortly with more Sake and Shochu love for each and every one of you. Yes. Thank you, Frank. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs>